right, everybody, we're in, we're in. We are in. Welcome back to Coffee and Call Sheets. Thanks for listening, everybody. I am BC. And I am Spoon. Our conversation this week will be with the man, the myth, the legend, Manny Padilla. Big time locations guy, has done some huge movies, some huge television shows. Yeah, Manny, he's worked with like J.J. Uh, Abrams, Christopher Nolan. Nolan. And the man, Michael Bay. Oh, yeah. And those are some pretty big people who've done some pretty big shows. Those are blockbuster movies. Yeah. And just thinking about blockbusters, I've done a couple myself. Um, you and I did one, Nope. Yeah. Yeah, which was huge. We loved doing Nope, and that's with um, our first AD was number one, also known as Liz Tan. Our second AD was Elaine Wood. And uh, I was a second second, and young Brian was on as an AD also. And uh, we had a great time on that show. It was, uh, it was huge. And the director was Jordan Pill, a really cool guy, really, really enjoyed working with him. I, I liked working on that because I don't work on that many uh-huh. big features right. uh, or big blockbuster features like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it was one of those opportunities where I really got a chance to see a creative director bring their vision holistically to the the production. Right, with the ample amount of money. Yeah, the studio definitely, I think, gave him uh, well, you know, resources. Shot, we, they gave him the money. We got to shoot in IMAX. Right, yeah, 70 millimeter. No, yeah, right. yeah. So, I mean, no, no one really shoots even in film anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, that was in the hands of Hoyte Hoytemann. Yes, Hoyte van Hoytemann. And... Just remember, you had all the toys. Yes, we had all the toys. We had all the toys. We had all the toys. There were helicopters. There were horses. Yes, it was, I mean, and it was, and it was hot. I mean, that was, was the hot. one thing. It was yeah. hot. We were shooting uh, up in a Firestone Ranch. Firestone Ranch. Nago Dolce. And it was hot up there. Yeah, shooting in the middle of summer. Yeah. What other? Uh, you've worked on. I worked on some. I worked on some pretty big. Some pretty big movies. Didn't you I, work uh, on Endgame? No, I didn't. I did. I did uh, second unit on Infinity Wars, and I was there for about probably about a month. Okay, maybe, maybe no. Actually, I was there for a little. I was more there like two months, and uh, we shot Infinity Wars. It, it was cool, man. I mean, once again, no, there was no no limit on on the money that flowed. I got to work with some really good people, but that was one thing. That was one thing. Shooting up in Agua Dulce with all that heat, and it, it was a little bit austere. But when you're working with really creative directors and directors of photography, and you're doing all this really kind of cool and interesting stuff, I think for me that helps us get through those tough days. It helps us stay energized and excited about what we're doing every day when you're working at 110 degrees. Yeah, most definitely. Um, When you're working on those shows, you get to have the bigger crews. You get to see the bigger explosions. You get to be a part of a blockbuster movie. I mean, Infinity Wars, even though I wasn't on it for the entire time, but that was a half a billion dollar movie. Yeah, wow. $500 million. That's a lot of money. They gave me some. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I really like, you know, when you're able to create with those directors, those actors. Just I remember there was scenes that we shot, and it was where Captain America and are fighting Thanos, and it's where um, the, the, the guy with the thing in his head. Vision. Vision. They were trying to kill Vision. And dude, these stunt guys were amazing. There was a scene where Thanos, uh, if you watch the movie, 
you see Black Panther try to jump at Thanos, and it was this rig where he jumps up, and the rig pulls him up, and then the rig just slams him down and just tosses him to the ground. And it's like, damn! And these guys were like, they were, they were really, uh, they were really good. And then they had this thing called the Dead Man. This was a scene where the uh, the space monsters were coming in through the shield, and they're running across the river. So. A dead man is you basically just p- tie a rope to your leg or to your body or whatever, and you just start running, right, as fast as you can. And that that uh, that um, rope is pegged into a ground, and it just snatches you. And they we had cats doing that all day, and it was it was I was like, man, you guys. I'll give you guys some, some credit. You guys are good because that shit, like, it hurt. <laughs> Stunts were yeah, earning stunt, their pay. Yeah, they were earning their pay, man. <laughs> but, it, you know, once again, you know, I, I, they, I went on location. I was down in Atlanta. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to work on those big shows. Um, I did one with uh, Catalyst Fraunfelder, um, Congo, back in the 90s. We shot here in L.A., and then we went down to Costa Rica. You were on Congo as a PA, right? Yeah, I was on Congo as a PA. And it was only two of us, me and Soshi Bogdanovich, who, okay. whose father is was Peter Bogdanovich. Okay. Yeah, and Peter showed up. Uh, he came to the set. So did, uh, so did Spielberg. And because uh, Spielberg's um, producers, Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy, were producing and directing. Uh, Frank was directing Congo, and Kathleen was uh, producing Congo. Honestly, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, it's okay. But it sounds like it was a big movie. It was, dude. I mean, we were in Costa Rica for about six weeks. What year was that? 94. 94. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. that's when I started college, <laughs> and, and I did not have a TV, and I started... Uh, my film studies, so I was watching a lot of Italian <laughs> right. and French cinema. Exactly. So I was not watching Congo. <laughs> I did not take my girlfriend out uh, on a date to go see Congo. Damn it, man. You we went go- to go see Breaking the Waves. Right. <laughs> I think we all have a preference on what types of shows we like to work yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. Because um, like I, I know we've We've talked to a few people that, you know, they like to work on sitcoms. Um, right, exactly. And there are some people who like, just really like to work on certain types of shows. Yeah. I, I, I don't, for me, it, I, honestly, it was whoever was paying the bills. Right. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be real. I enjoy working on the big budget movies, but I also enjoy working on the smaller movies. With the DGA, you're pretty much going to get, you know, unless it's, a lower tier. Mm-hmm. If it's just a if it's just a movie, you're going to get paid the same. Yeah, right. Unless you can get above scale. I think that a lot of crew members they really don't have the luxury of getting to pick and choose what sort of shows they get to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, but those of us who do get to sort of pick and choose, and and I've been I've turned a couple of just a couple right. jobs down, not really so much because they weren't big enough for me. Um, they were usually because I heard <laughs> some Bad stuff things. and I was like, yeah, no, nah, I don't want right. to go over there. And I think that's the difference between the big budget and the the lower the lower budget. Now, now I don't say. I just say, just say the regular budget. I don't want to say lower budget because big budgets can, like you said, like I said, um, Infinity Wars was half a billion dollars. It was half a billion dollars because there was a lot of people getting paid. But it, but it also was going to make Mar- Marvel. You know, Disney was like, here, take a billion so you could make 
you know, Infinity Wars and then Endgame, and how much did they make? Yeah, I don't even have those those uh, numbers in front of me, but I we can all know that they made their they money made back. their money back exactly. So, what you can always do is throw money at the problem. There's a show I worked on, big budget, with a big budget director, <laughs> and I remember we were set up downtown at a at an office building. And he walks in with, with, you know, uh, our department had already set up this entire room for this this meeting that was supposed to be a boardroom, right? So I remember the director walks in there and he's like, eh, I don't want to shoot in here. And he walks into this other room where we have all of this visual effects equipment and everything's kind of set up and there's there's all of this uh, equipment. And he was like, yeah, I like this room better. So we had to move all of that equipment out of there. We had to bring in some of the office people. I think it was a, a screen that they wanted to come down. So that cost. So we moved everything, right? Then we set dress it, and we come back, and my man looks at it, and he's like, nah, I'm going to use the other room. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, see, that's where you have the money and the power and the prestige to be able to do whatever you want. You know, and that's what the bigger budget movies and the bigger budget directors are going to be able to get you. But also, like television, um, most directors don't have that no, amount of leeway. I've worked on a few um, big TV productions. Like, I would, I would say the biggest TV production that I got a chance to work on was Perry Mason. Snowfall was pretty big too. Snowfall was really big, but like you're saying, the amount of power and prestige that the director had on that show, particularly Perry Mason, Tim Van Patten was the executive producer and director of five out of eight episodes. Ah, okay. So so he could get what he wanted when he wanted. But he was he also wanted. a TV director, right. a big TV director. He shot the pilot for Game of Thrones. He, ah, okay. He was Which a, is another huge big budget television that um, would get, you could have the leeway to do you know, if you wanted to change some things up. Yeah, and, I, and, and on Perry Mason, we uh, had some big set pieces. Mm-hmm. and But at the same time, it was television, and there's only so far you can find that flexibility to just kind of say, yeah, I want that jumbo jet t- turned left to right, <laughs> and then come back. Right. No, no, you're right. Let's keep it right to left. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, well, I think I told that story on Collateral. I know you told that story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> told Drive that, story. that point <laughs> home. Right. Well, we were shooting Collateral, another big budget movie with big budget director Michael Mann and big actors, uh, Jamie Foxx, Tom Cruise. And we're shooting on Union, like Union and Eighth. And if you watch the movie, it's the first time we see Tom and he's walking Basically, we're in, because we couldn't shoot, so we couldn't shoot on that second level, the, the second level, the walkway, because the overhang was blocking the city view. So we actually got on top of the roof and shot from low, looking up, and we were looking back at the at, at the uh, skyline. So we're, he's walking, and planes were coming in from. They were, I guess, they were being diverted, and they were just getting into downtown but not getting into our shot and we kept we, we shot it like three or four times and uh, and Tom finally asked like hey what, what are we trying to do here Michael what do you need and he was like I, I need I'm trying to I'm trying to set up a shot where the plane is going to go through the back and Tom was like you need a plane 
And Michael was like, yeah. Tom's like, okay. Walks over, dials a number, <laughs> comes back. He's like, all right, you guys ready? And, and Michael was like, yeah. All right. We rolled. Dude, plane comes. It was a smaller plane, but it comes flying <laughs> through the scene. Everybody on the set is looking at Tom Cruise like, what the fuck? What did he just do? Yes, exactly. That's what did he just do. He made a phone call. And then Tom asked Michael, you, we good on that? You want to do another one? Michael's like, can I, can I get another one? Can I get another yeah. one? Oh, my God. Did it. <laughs> plane comes through again. Tom does his thing. Plane com- comes through again. I was like, damn. This is Juice. Once again, on a bigger budget movie. Um, and, you know, we waited for that. and uh, But it but it worked out. It looked great. The, I mean, the shot looked great. Well, that being said, Manny Padilla has yeah. worked on a good number of those big budget films. Um, With big budget directors like Michael Bay. Yeah, he talked about his work on the first four Transformers, yep, um, um, working with uh, Christopher Nolan Christopher on Inception. Nolan, Inception. I believe he also did um, The Dark Knight and J.J. Um, Abrams. Super 8. Super 8. Not the crazy Super 8 with Nicolas Cage. That's 8 millimeter. Yeah, or 8 millimeter. <laughs> I keep getting those wrong. No wonder, no wonder when I took my granddaughter to see <laughs> the wrong movie. Yeah. No, I did not take my granddaughter to that. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, guys, I think you're going to really enjoy Manny Padilla. Um, great insights on how he got into the business. Really cool guy. And uh, yeah, sit back and here's Manny. Welcome, Manny, to the show. Thank you. So how did you get into locations? Or actually, what are locations what's what does the locations department do well i'll tell you what i thought it was when i when i first got in <laughs> so i'm almost on my 20th year i think and right. and, and um I, I always wanted to get in the industry but then i was interested in locations because i thought i would just fly around the world and take pictures and be creative and show ideas of where to shoot places are you from la i'm, I'm born and raised here yeah yeah, and um, I, uh, yeah, I grew up here, and you know, I, I, I guess I grew up economically challenged, and um, you know, movies were like something that was a way to escape. And then um, when I was young, I thought like, hey, you know, like I want to get into that. And as things progressed, and I, I got older, um, I was still interested in it, but I decided to move to Hawaii. Oh and, wow! And then I was living in Hawaii, and um, when was that? Um, as an adult? Uh, yeah, as an adult. I was like 21, 22. Oahu or on Hawaii? Oahu, right. On Oahu. And I, I actually, I wanted to either get into um, either zoology or some, some kind of like conservation or something. And I was out there and um, I realized that I wasn't going to make any money doing that, <laughs> you know. Really? And, Wills. Yeah, yeah. And, and not, Star I, I, Manny. You know, it, it's, it, I think if I grew up in another town it would have been different but growing up here um i wouldn't be able to afford like your life the life a a life regular life regular life you know so and then um they were shooting a movie out there i don't even remember what movie it was and i was like you know that's what i want to do and then um i thought wow somebody came here and took pictures in hawaii (laughs) like somebody traveled to do this and i thought well i should just get in and so i went um 
I tried to get on the show. I walked on set and I said, hey, <laughs> how can I get a job? And, you know, everybody's just said, fuck off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one PA that was, like, really nice. And then I found out later she lived in my apartment building. And she was like, you know, you should go home and you should move to Burbank. And I'm um, like, right by the studios or something. And I was like, yeah, I thought about that. You know, I want to be close so that I could just try to get a job. Right. And about getting to locations, I just thought, like, to be able to go and travel on somebody else's dime yeah. and be creative, like, how amazing would that be? Right. Yeah. But um, that's not what we just do. There's people that yeah. are, are, are scouts, and they work their way to that part of their career, and that's all they do. But um, saw all my favorite movies, and I wanted to contribute to that in that right. way. And then finally I got in. I actually, I was... I was a PA and I was doing all this, you know, all the random jobs that we so all how, do. So how long were you PA in though? I would say like about a year or two and um like a like a eight like in the AD department or were you a location uh, PA? Uh no, there was no such thing in LA as a location PA, but I was just PA on set, you know, like mm -hmm. I would do anything. Set PA. Yeah, yeah you're a set PA. A, yeah. And it was mostly commercials, that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm going to drive the truck, right. you know, yeah. and then yeah. I'm going to go pick up all this gear and exactly. you know, and I'll yeah. pick this actor up. Yeah. Like, pick up the food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like you're like what department? I'm like, yeah, every department, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I actually that's where I started. I started off as a as a PA um, for a, a commercial house. Yeah, so yeah. you do everything. Yeah, There's nothing exactly. you don't do. And then um I, I met a location manager. Uh, actually, I was getting really desperate for money when I was a PA, and I, you know, I was like, I, I can't afford to live. Where this is this is a, you're living in Burbank, so you yeah. So you you were in Hawaii. Came how, back. Long, how long were you in Hawaii? Uh, about a year. About a year. So then yeah. you come back. You've been working as a PA, living in Burbank for like a year, year and a yep. half, and not being able to make ends meet. Yeah, I can't make I can't pay my bills, so I'm like, I got to get a real job at least you know till I get some more sustainable income right and so I got a job at Home Depot okay. and like so the funny thing is it's like you weren't in Bowfinger were you <laughs> 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 no. I have a nephew that like has those braces but, um, it, so I, I yeah I got desperate and um, I was like you know well I'm gonna do this very tactical where I'm gonna get a job so one day I saw all the trucks at Home Depot on Sherman Way over, you know, mm -hmm. in North Hollywood. And I'm like, oh, well, there's all these universal trucks and Paramount trucks, and, and that's where they shop around here. So I went, got a job. I talked to my uh, manager when I got the job. Uh, you know, he was like, hey, you're going to, you know, be in the tool rental department or whatever. And I was like, all right, well, just so you know, like, I'm not going to stay here. You know, I'm trying to get into the film industry, and but I'm going to make a little business card, and I'm going to hand it out to customers when they come in or people on some of these guys right. and he goes well you can't do that and he was like well you can just just do it under the table don't like make a big thing out of it right. Right. so um i started meeting all these people at home depot i met somebody from some mtv show um i started paing with um the savio brothers which they created the show um brothers garcia that was on nickelodeon okay. and then hmm. um they started doing um commercials music videos so you got in with that production company. yeah it, i mean i was still working there and i, I just kept trying right. anybody that came in the door i mean anybody yeah like uh you know if they had a logo or some swag on them i was like oh what do you do right and, and i was like here i would hand my car to a grip to a producer to whoever didn't it's, matter it, and it's it's crazy how like when you don't have any sort of like 
foot in the door. There's no way to sort of like get you into the industry. It's like you gotta like pry your way in. For sure, and especially like being a minority, yeah. being somebody that knows nothing, didn't go to film school, I didn't have anybody to, you know, to teach me anything or open a door for me. I just, I just started knocking at everybody's door and then um, I finally, it was so crazy because I was kind of set on location manager and I met this location manager named Ilt Jones mm. which uh, he did like the Black Panther movies he oh, did oh, Transformers wow. and but at that time he was doing I think he was doing Carnival, Carnival. the HBO yeah the HBO show yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. so um, he needed some help offered real good customer service at Home Depot gave him my card that I made <laughs> and um, I said hey can I like tag along with you one day and he's like sure so He's like, call me in two weeks. Called him in two weeks. Oh, wait, you know, a couple more weeks. I just kept calling and calling and calling. And finally, like, he's like, yeah, come on. So then um, I started riding uh, along with him. Uh, that's great. Because that, that's the thing about this business. You get told no way more than you get told yes. Yeah. And you have to have that persistence. You've got to constantly just knock on that door. I mean, it was funny because some of my first jobs, he was like, do you know how to weedy whack? And I was like like a weed eater like trying to <laughs> yeah, I was like why? yeah yeah I, I could do that <laughs> and so so that was like a side job he couldn't get me in the union so like I told him like I needed work he would scout and if they needed like a side job and he saw something yeah. he, he would he would help me with uh, those side gigs because right. awesome. you have yeah. to you've got to you've got to get that done anyway yeah right so yeah so I was yeah. like cool I'll do that and then um, I remember Later on the down the line, he got a show called Big Love. Another and HBO show. Yeah, another yeah. HBO show. And um, yeah, Will Paxton? Bill Paxton. Bill yeah, Paxton, yeah, yeah. yeah. So one day there was like these orange fields in the background. Like all these oranges were out in Fillmore. And, you know, some director, somebody, a production designer's like, we can't see the orange trees, you know? And I'm like, and then he's like, hey, can you pick oranges? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, did you, did you think like, hey, man, like, what the hell? Did you think I'm a, he's a friend, so he, I was like, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. He's like, I want you to weed whack, I want you to pick oranges. So, like, the first fucking day I showed up to pick oranges, I did it by myself, I got a ladder, and I was out there picking these oranges, and halfway through the day, I was just full of blood. Oh. Yeah, because the, the oranges have the thorns. thorns and right. I didn't know that, so like, I'm just bleeding, <laughs> and it needed to be done in like, I think it was like three days or something, and I was like, oh my God, I'm not gonna get this done. Right. So I call up a bunch of friends, I was like, hey, do you want a job? Um, you know, help me out, and I'll, like, the money I get, I'll split it with you, and, he's, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pick oranges. And they're like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> oranges? And I was like, yeah. So we got a bunch of ladders. I went to Home Depot. I went to work and got these fruit pickers and uh, went and got a, a pull stick, mm -hmm. tied it up, duct taped it, and we just started yanking oranges out of the tree. I had so many people wouldn't take them. I would give them out. For, I was trying to get them out for free. They right. wouldn't take them, so I had eventually take some to the dump. But I parked my car in my little apartment building on the street, and um, I put a sign free every free night. Free oranges. Yeah, and then it was, uh, those were my first couple jobs. And then eventually um, his friend was working on Monk and said, hey, you know, you got to get this kid in. And um, he called me up, and he said, hey, you 
there's an opportunity on Monk. It's a union position. Uh, are you interested? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So, it's um, like I fucking picked oranges, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so you're working with ILT. Like, how long did you do that with ILT? I would say about a year, year and a half. Okay, hmm. so yeah. PAing for a year and a half, then you got another year and a half. You know, you've been doing everything that you can on just this, to pay bills yeah this guy sort of you know like mentorship yeah and it, you know it, it eventually when they called like i i was a pa for all these different people mm. and so when i got that union position i had to call like the commercial people and this little tv show and all these commercial people and they're like i'm like hey i'm i'm gonna take a union show like i can't take your gigs anymore and they all got pissed off at me <laughs> it's crazy right they all got mad right because and you because you did your job so well they needed you yeah i mean That's some bullshit. of them like you know the smaller commercials that were like not very big mm -hmm. you know you get like 75 bucks a day 100 bucks a day yeah and um, yeah, especially back then yeah and i'm like you know what do you want me to do it's a union job yeah. you gotta and take that money yeah yeah and i mean so it, it was uh that was my first crack at uh a union show and then i realized fuck the locations department does a whole lot of other things than go around and take pictures right yeah yeah and um it's it's a grind like I, I lived in I lived in Boston for six years before I moved out to LA and <coughs> um, and I worked on Mystic River and that was my first really big show and I would been doing like all these like small jobs like editing jobs I'd work sound and like low-budget independent yep. stuff and through a guy that I knew, he got a phone call from Kakai Ampa, who was the, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the location manager on Mystic River, and I wound up getting the job, and I was just a location assistant, and not an assistant location manager, I was a locations assistant, and actually the union out there, they wanted me to, um, well, one, they didn't want me to have the job, they're like, he's got to go, and so Kakai was like, sure, um, just give me a list of guys that are available that are union and uh, come in tomorrow or next week and, and you know, we'll, we'll pick somebody. They come in and he goes, Kakai goes, okay, so there was like a list of about 15 people because Boston's small. It's like, uh, how many of these people are, are, are people of color? And they were like, none. Like well, he stays. Yeah. <laughs> Clint, Clint Eastwood has Clint Eastwood has a policy of hiring for diversity. So, like you can let him try and get in the union, and they actually offered it to me. But the uh, the assistant location managers, the guys that had actually worked in locations, they're like, oh, Bri, don't get in the union if you don't want to work in locations." Which I didn't. I was happy to do the job, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I that wasn't the, the the track that I wanted to go down. Yeah, especially in Boston during locations, it's a totally different beast. Is it? Yeah, I mean, it just anywhere out of state is different. I mean, here is like um, we have such a well group of vendors and infrastructure yeah. it's been here for 100 years or whatever yeah, yeah, so, like, yeah. so like over there you know you have to do um there's a ton of different things that you're required to be in charge of yeah know? yeah so and then uh, some places don't have a union yeah so, like, and so you just hire whoever yeah so then you realize that like uh, a location manager is kind of like first in last out you right. know and pretty much yeah, yeah. that's and why you guys sort of overlap you'll have a you have a someone who's opening and someone who's closing correct and then i mean we handle everything from the locations 
to the logistics, how you get there. And like the stuff that is very interesting that a lot of people don't get is like every contract, every piece of paperwork, yeah. like for you to get there. And you're, you're talking about a giant company like Disney or Paramount or Netflix now, and then you're handling all the paperwork. You're dealing with, you know, risk management, lawyers, yeah, you know, studio all the permitting, people. all the insurance, you gotta get the yeah. insurance waivers. So if you work on like, uh, you know, even the FAA, Homeland Security. Wow. Right, yeah. And then, you know, and then you've had this crazy hectic day and then, you, you know, you just finish doing all this stuff and then you show up to set and fucking ADs are like, <laughs> yo, Manny, yo, what <laughs> the, what? 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 We only got two, yeah. we only got two? Yeah. We got two port parties? <laughs> Why'd you park it right there? Locations, yeah. locations. And you're like, yeah, we parked it right there because. that's what you said on the scout. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Or it, uh, it, it was going to be in the shot and they're like, right. oh. All right. Well, anyway, so and it's always hey, like Hey, that kind of sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's always it's always 911. So like yeah. you you go through a lot of shit in locations. I would say it's probably like it's a very special department in yeah. in a good way. I mean, in it's the stuff that we have to go through in order for if you wanted to film at this library. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you get in here? Right. How do you get the cart here? The impact that we have on everybody else is so huge you know right. yeah. ha, you know every department you know just my little experience when i was on mystic river as a locations assistant i was basically a locations pa and this was my first show i was like oh my god like this department is in, in contact with grips with electric with production designers like they need to know information from us we need to know information from them so that we can make sure that things are set up for them you know sometimes like i had to go to a someone's house because the the production designer needed to you know know like the dimensions of a doorway yeah right. you know and as right. I was that conduit and all the information that we would kind of like glean and then hand off to the ads and as I learned a lot working in locations and that helped me transition into being an ad like like we were talking about earlier how the uh, in some earlier episodes how ads are the I call us the police. But you guys are the logistics. You guys do every, I mean, because I'm like, yo, we're gonna shoot this way, and it's like locations. I need all this cleared. I need all that stuff cleared, and then when I get there and it's not, that's the first thing you do. You, you ask for locations. And sometimes, you're, like you say, you're not asking very nicely. And the thing that I think um, people forget about us is the, like, the creative impact that we have. Like, yeah. Like the, what we have to we have to know all these things we have to be a lawyer you know we have to be a, a sound guy right. we have to you know know what type of material we have to go through like is is there lead on the wall is there asbestos in the right, building right. but through all those different things we still have to be creative like you, you you read a script and you break it down and then you have to visualize it visualize yeah how it looks mm -hmm. and take pictures to tell the story so that you can s bring the writer the director's vision production design visions to the screen and and sometimes there's a political balance too mm. you know if you're on a tv show even on a on a feature you know you have something the production designer wants to show 
and you don't think it's the right thing, but <laughs> right. you know, you got the job through the director. So like, there's a bunch of all that kind of different type well, of when creative decisions are being yeah. made, and, and and you're being asked to kind of be a creative person. Yeah. Crea- yeah, you know, you may not have the the final say, but you do have that initial choice in what to look for and what to present. Right. I think I took a, like a kind of a stance probably about five years ago where I, if I got a job mm-hmm. and I had an interview, I would tell people like, I'm going to speak, I'm going to give my opinion, I'm going to be creative, and if you don't allow me to do those things, I don't want to work here. Because like, you know, all the other kind of really difficult things that we deal with, that being creative is an outlet for me that's why i got in you know we all had and we all have different dreams you know different goals and then we work and then sometimes it's harder to get to those dreams and sometimes being able to do those things you know it's it's a fulfillment it makes you feel good you know but yeah in a nutshell i mean location managing has been a tough thing and then recently with snowfall they've the the producing team there the executive gg um, has given me an opportunity to last year to get a co-producing credit and that was like to get a single title credit this year it was like you know I was like whatever but then um, I had people call me and say like oh wow seen your name yeah and like I realized like all those struggles that I went through um, that road that I had to travel like that that's important uh, not only for me, but it's important for other people. So like, right. it, it was cool, you know, even like, my, you know, for my mom or my cousin and the kids to see that. And then, you know, other people, uh, other people of color to see that. It's like, wow, you know, yeah. you, know you see a, a last name up there and you're yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. B- before we go on, yo, uh, everybody, Mike. What's up, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Mike's part of uh, um, Manny's. Uh, location department team and we appreciate Mike Mike's been a really good guy in our in the locations department on snowfall that's where I met him right. did you how long have you know I Mike? Think, uh, when did we we were talking about that when did we work uh, we just missed each other I think you stopped in season three yeah I started in season four I think we overlapped a little yeah. bit yeah yeah Mike's a good dude ah did Manny break your arm Mike he did. <laughs> 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 you know, like, when you show up late. <laughs> you know, Mike, it's funny. It's like some of the stuff we deal with on location. Were you that day that the, the homeless man was uh, trying to jump out the window? No. What uh, was that? And snowfall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was last season? No, no. It was season, season five. five. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. They, somebody called me and they're like, Hey, somebody's trying to jump out the window. Yes, I was there. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm in the van. (laughs) I'm in the van. Like, what do you want me to do about it? Like, Mike's there. And they're like, oh, yeah, I see Mike running, running running (laughs) up the stairs. (laughs) And I don't know, you talk the guy off the ledge? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I do remember that. I don't know how I did it. uh, I mean, I know how I did it, but the guy was crazy. I didn't even think he would understand the words I was saying. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's. You do come across some crazy stuff. You do. Oh, yeah. um, I remember when uh, I was working (laughs) on Beverly Hills Cop 3, and does everybody remember Shutter's Alley downtown? Uh, Los Angeles, between Maine and Los Angeles, that alley right off of 5th. Where they used to throw, like, the water bottles. Yeah, the water bottles full of. 
pee and shit. Oh, dude, and 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 I remember we had to go downtown, and I, I don't even know how I got on the scout. I just happened to be on it, and they we had the water truck, and it was filled with disinfected, and it was just going up and down this alley, right? And we're coming back to shoot. I pull up the next morning, and I see this lady hanging her ass out of a window, like a third-story window, and just taking a shit and a piss right where we just finished. Wow! Doing that, doing that entire cleanup. All it was way. right. It was like, <laughs> oh my god. Damn. So you became a location. When you got into location, you were a scout. There's, like, kind of. I guess we'd say they're like three positions, right? Not three positions, but three levels. Like, there's an entry level, like an ALM. Mm-hmm. And what is an ALM? Uh, assistant location manager, and it's kind of like somebody that's worked, at, you know, a year or two in the business, and they're kind of learning the ropes and um, or the the tasks that they they do. They're still like um, somebody that might sit on set only, you know. And then you have somebody that's a key, and then keys are usually like in charge of a location or um, anybody could be a scout anybody okay alm key anybody could be a scout so location scout really isn't a position or it's a position um if that's all you're doing on that show Mm -hmm. but a good location manager should be able to do anything ah gotcha so like um and then there's the manager and now a lot of shows they have a supervising manager like snowfall supervising manager and a couple other shows I worked on I worked as a supervising location manager because some of the the shows are so big now and honestly the hardest thing is paperwork too the paperwork is so big and there's so much risk and liability that's involved like you don't want just anybody dealing with the contract or negotiating with somebody so um, yeah and then anybody could scout you know Uh, I I think um, I'll toot my horn a little like there's not a lot of Angelino-based location people, you know? Mm. A lot of people move from other places. So, like, I grew up here, you know, and taking yeah. the, you know, I didn't have money, so I took the bus everywhere, rode right, my bike right. everywhere. So, um, you know, somebody asked me where something is in the city. Most of the time, I have an idea where to go for a type of architecture or something, you know, just from growing up here. But, um, yeah, you should be able to do anything. The goal is that anybody in that department should be able to do anything. And then location scouting, I would say, like, I don't know how many there are, just people that just only scout. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's very few. There's not a lot of people that just do that. Right. But you, you lived in Burbank after you moved back from Hawaii. Where, where did you grow up in L.A.? Um, I grew up LA? in the San Gabriel Valley, which okay. uh, I grew up in, um, in a city called Monterey Park. Okay. Um, ah, just... Just east of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I lived near Rosemead uh, in Monterey Park most of my life. And then toward, like, high school, I moved uh, next to uh, East L.A. Still Monterey Park, but you kind of go a few blocks down near East L.A. by East L.A. College. Oh, okay. Just want to give out some of the movies he's worked on. Transformers, the original... The 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 first four. First four Transformers. Super 8. Yeah, in my career, I I would say like, I'm very thankful. I'm I'm, re- I'm really thankful for for Ilt. Um, he kind of uh, mentored me and gave me like like opened those doors. Which it was a Brit right. that did it, and right. you know and nobody else. And um, I got to work on Transformers. So I worked on I've worked on five Michael Bay films. 
I've worked on three Christopher Nolan films. Right. Uh, uh, which ones were they? The Dark Knight, okay. uh, Inception, okay. and Interstellar. Oh, oh wow. wow, okay. And then I worked on two Quentin Tarantino movies. Right. Um, the Django and uh, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, uh, and then one of my favorites. Yeah, and then a bunch of other stuff, too. But those are the, like, I would say, like, you know, somebody who's really interested in knowing stories, they always ask about those stories. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah. They're, they're cool films. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and people know, I mean, just your average moviegoer is gonna, are going to know those movies. As yeah. Opposed. And I would say, like, um, I really liked Super 8 a lot. Super 8 was super... J.J. Abrams. Yeah, it was super fun. Where'd you guys shoot that? Um, they were in... Uh, well, I just shot in the California portion, but we had... Um, well, it wasn't here in L.A. Yeah, we had some stuff here in L.A. Yeah, stuff yeah. In LA. So that big train station. Okay. Uh, hmm. That was actually built from scratch. Wow. It was... Um, Firestone Ranch. Yo, that's what we, we shot. No, we shot. We're no, yeah. So that, that no. whole entire thing, like we built the train tracks, bringing the train, everything, and then um, the the cave. Yeah. The cave was built at Playa Vista. You know oh, where oh, wow. the, the Spruce Goose was. Yeah. Yeah, it was built there. Um, we had some a lot of driving stuff. I think in Fillmore, Santa Paula. It was cool, but I, I would say like most memorable stuff was probably with Michael Bay. Like, I wouldn't give anything back, but it was hard. You know, like what the stuff that you would do is like, you know, you have helicopters and Blackhawks landing, and you know, I think some of the places that I can remember, like right off the bat, we we shot at Kennedy Space Center, which wow. we shot when the Discovery was on the gantry. Um, here's a funny story is. They're shooting. I, I'm. I, I. I broke away because there's these astronauts that fly these white Blackhawks. So I'm hanging out with these astronauts, and it's so crazy because oh. eventually we're gonna use these astronauts gotcha. to fly these Blackhawks around the the Discovery when it's on the gantry. Right. Right. And right. So, I would say it's almost sunset. Because this is what they were sending them away, right? Supposedly, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm over there sitting with them, and they're filming with the discovery and they're supposed to call it in and say hey we're ready for the blackhawks and i i'm like enjoying the sunset talking to these astronauts <laughs> and then i'm like you know i'm just gonna call so i call the ad's and i'm like hey i'm just sitting here with these astronauts and these blackhawks like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they're like oh yeah send them send them send them <laughs> And That's got to be one of our favorite words. Yeah, yeah. No, no, Kirk yeah, yeah. Send so, them. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they uh, so there's a shot, you know, when the Discovery's on the gantry and you see these Blackhawks flying Right, out. yes. And, um, yeah, I was like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> you see yeah. that little hey, dot right, right there? That's me. <laughs> and then um, some of the stuff that we did, like, for the stuff that I handled in, like, Detroit, um, I mean, we would close down a quarter of the city I don't know if it's a quarter but a lot like and several blocks yeah and and I mean you have like 30 or 40 cops and yeah. we had these uh, these PAs that were allocated to our department I want to say like it, we could have had like 50 to 100 wow, wow. and um, so you have these massive closures because we built a giant set in the middle of downtown Detroit 
and um, you have to have so much control. Yeah. Mm. So much control. And especially, like, it's a movie set, but it is Still. live pyro construction. Yeah. It is a very dangerous place, mm -hmm. you know, to be in. I don't mean in a, like, hey, we work in a dangerous environment, but, but we, we do. do. We do. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 uh, yeah, and if you're not, safety is a main, if you're not yeah. safe, people don't go home. And I, that's what I always say. It's like, n none of this is worth you not going home. For sure. So pay attention to what we're doing. And that's what, a, that's one thing about locations is like, you guys have already done logistics and you're like, this is what we can do. And it's always crazy when a director comes in and is like, well, I want to do this. And you're like, you didn't say that on the scout. You didn't tell the ADs yeah. that. Now you want to change at the last minute and you really can't do that. You know, or you, you try to accommodate, but I, I know how hard it can be. And I would say that, like, being in locations on a show like that, like, that's next level stuff. You yeah. Know, like, the average person that stands on set, you know, um, we had an awesome, awesome first AD name uh, Casey Holdenfield and Casey is very involved he'll walk the set you know where all every firecracker exactly and never goes off. know all the parameters knows everybody's name and on a set like that you know you, you know when you're working on a set you might be able to like Oh, I'm gonna go to the craft service. No, I have two walkies on. I have two earpieces, one on one and one on, you know, either right. special effects or somebody like that. Um, and we're ready to do an explosion. We're ready to set off a bomb in right. the middle of a city. So that stuff was life changing. It's like, it's definitely like thrill. You yeah. know, it's like, it's it, a rush of adrenaline to make sure like everything's going good and. Uh, everybody says Michael Bay is crazy and uh, everything they say. You know, a lot of that shit's probably true. I'm not gonna say if it's not, <laughs> but but the thing is, like, it, there's a there's a producer that was on the show, Ian Bryce, um, and that guy would just surround himself by like the best crew. That's so you you work with like all these A-listers, and everybody's on the top of their game, and safety's a priority and communication's a priority and um yeah i mean i just had a had a blast i mean jumping from state to state to state i i remember we had a charter uh, um a plane to move around so i mean we were we were at white sands new mexico at holloman air force base there i remember um, that yeah we filmed at um davis montes um i, f I forget how to say it it's it's the boneyard where all the planes are in arizona Right. Well, that's where. Yeah. Okay. That's Is that was Tucson? that was three. Tucson, Tucson, yeah. yeah. We shot at uh, Houston, Texas, uh, at NASA's facility. You know, I sat in the I sat in the chair where they're like, Houston, we have a problem. Mission, Mission control. control. Yeah. And we sh shot at some Delta Force thing in Florida when we we're at. Uh, uh, they, they said it wasn't Delta Force or whatever. You know, some no, sort of yeah, special yeah, forces. Yeah, we shot there. there. And, you know, Edwards Air Force Base. I actually got to see, um, I got to see the Raptor before, like, a lot of the public got to see it. Oh, wow. I'm going to tell you another funny Transformers story. So we're filming in Washington, D.C. We have a full closure. Anyway, we're in D.C. We're down, like, not far from the White House. Mm -hmm. So we're, um, we're filming in this intersection, and we're about to go, and I hear police sirens. And I'm like, what's that? You know, like, why are the sirens on? And this cop blows our closure 
but he doesn't know that we're filming and mm. we pull out bumblebee and boom oh. the cop hits bumblebee is the cop on a motorcycle or is he in, he's a car? in a car okay and so and we didn't have two bumblebees that day Ooh. so so bumblebee got blown yeah and it wasn't a big big deal but it was enough where we're not shooting so they they're like we need to shoot something and i remember they're like well we need megatron <laughs> and I was like, okay. And they're like, Manny, jump in the car with the cops. They're going to blow all the lights. They're going to take you to go get Megatron and then grab Megatron and then come back over here. And I'm like, how they big is Megatron? Megatron's like a tractor trailer. And, it's, <laughs> it, and then we have these Decepticon um, SUVs that are like lifted up and they got Decepticon logos on them and all, you know, these red and blue lights. Like they're... They look crazy. They look crazy. And Megatron looks crazy. So um, I'm on the other side uh, of town now with them, and they go, all right, we're going to blow every light. (laughs) So, of course, they felt bad, you know? So we have, like... But they're also loving it. Right, exactly. (laughs) But you're seeing, like, five to ten DC cops, and then behind there you see five of these giant lifted-up SUV Decepticon things and then you see Megatron and another five or six Capitol Police and we're driving by and everybody on the streets like what the fuck is happening it's true there's like yeah it's it's like it looks like a monster truck with this caravan of like you know so it, it was cool. I'll show you guys the video. Oh, that, that, that sounds pretty yeah, awesome. Man, that sounds pretty awesome. Well, I, I worked on um, the pilot for Training Day and um, Bill Paxton. He was oh. he was in that. So I'm curious what you, Bill Paxton. It's a simple story, right? So like, I was on Big Love and like I was scared as shit because like I didn't know anybody and I'm a PA and you know you you don't talk to nobody because you hear all these horror stories don't talk to anybody right 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 and um we have these lunch boxes which are mobile catering rooms where you can you know so we're i'm sitting in the lunch box and um uh, you know i sit by myself every day because i don't know one person and um bill paxton walks in and um one day he's like he he sees me and uh, the producer's like hey come over here and sit he's like no nah, i'm sitting with manny i'm sitting here <laughs> and it, it was just like a cool thing it was like right. um, you know your kid uh, you know in, uh, yeah. early 20s and this guy he comes and sits down by me and he did that a couple of times and um it was just like a moment like uh, i just uh, kind of always stuck with me it's like um you know real people yeah real people you know just normal and you know you get all nervous and then he's just sitting down shooting the shit with me and i was like wow you talk to these you talk to some of these people you know and like sometimes people's egos get in their way oh man this this is the ego ego business it's it's um it's a simple story but it's uh it's meaningful you know because like uh jj abrams he like when he's on set he'll bring a um a speaker he talks to the crew the voice of god <laughs> <laughs> and and sometimes he'll just beatbox like oh that's right from the, yeah right in from the whole crew is he good yeah he's pretty good <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and um on super eight i remember um there was a day tom cruise and spielberg showed up you know and then you have jj abrams and you're just like wow what a dream come true and um 
somebody called on the walkie. So if and if anybody works on a Spielberg show, just remember this. They asked if anybody had a gold diet Coke. It's the caffeine-free diet Coke. Right. And craft service didn't have it. So they started asking. They said, well, whoever gets the golden diet Coke can hand it to Spielberg. Just go yeah. straight to it. So him. this is where you know every crew member is a kid. <laughs> right. So like <laughs> every fucking person on set is running around trying Looking to find for the golden, golden diet coke. <laughs> and um, I think it was a PA that found it. And that was cool because then the PA right. got to give it to Spielberg. So. so location, you start off as an ALM. Mm-hmm. So when did you become a location manager and what uh, show was that? It was about, I was scouting for Live By Night, Ben Affleck. It was that the, uh, the working title, Live, Live By Night? Yeah, because you know how those titles change. Yeah, I don't know. It was a Ben Affleck movie. And that was about seven years ago. Okay. And um, I, just, I just wanted to be home with my family and mm. working on Transformers and those type of films and the network I had, they were all working out of town. And like, you have to realize that your job, it has to do with ego a lot, Yes. you know? So understanding like, and having like a live work balance is key. So like somebody says, hey, do you want to go work? Like uh, I I actually, it was the time when Batman Superman, they wanted me to stay in Detroit and work. And I was like, no, I can't. And, you know, uh, they offered me a little more money, and, and I had all the knowledge there. And um, I actually got sick. I got really sick, and um, I had a bunch of stomach problems. And I thought, like, I, I didn't know what was wrong. I had this pain in my stomach. And um, I went to the doctors. They're like, hey, we can't find anything. And I remember talking to my mom. I was super worried. And my mom said, you know what, Miho? Anything that's wrong with you, I wish it on me. And I'm like, don't say that, mom. Don't right, say that right, kind of exactly. crap. She gets diagnosed like two months later with colon cancer. Oh, oh. And then right after that, I land up doing more testing and they find precancerous stuff oh, in wow. me. It put things in perspective. Right. You know, so between my kids and between that, I was like, I always say this, some of my friends get annoyed with it, but like you go to Disneyland and you only have like the day you could probably ride 12 rides, right? Right. So like... Unless you bring an AD with you. (laughs) (laughs) So there's only so many rides you can ride. And in my career, say, if I focused on film or TV or whatever, I got 20 rides more, right? Who do I want to ride with? Mm. Right. Who do do I want to be with? Who do I want to spend my time with? You know, because a lot of these people... It, that work on set, I see them more than my kids and my family. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I started thinking about that stuff, and that made me become a location man. It made, made me move up because working out of town, I made more money. Working in town, um, I didn't get the housing and all that kind of cool stuff. And living in L.A. is so expensive. Right. And making that leap to manager was a big deal for me. I was super scared, but I know I needed to because... Uh, I guess I was nervous, too, because I didn't go to college. You know, I'd, I, I kind of grew up rough. I, I was like, fuck it. You get that imposter syndrome. Yeah, you, you get, think that yeah. you're, not, you're not qualified, but yeah. like, you've been doing it for 15 years. What's the worst thing that could happen? 
you know, fired. you get fired. Exactly. You get fired, right? Yeah. I, I'm in a union. I, I work really hard. I think I know people that would hire me, so I finally take that leap. And um, I got on a show called Heartbeat, which it made nowhere. I remember one of my friends said this to me, and I don't think he meant it in a negative way, but it still hurt. He was like, bro, you, you went from working on the biggest things to the shittiest TV. Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like... Yeah, it, it still hurt, but right, I, right. Like, but I wanted to see my kids grow, yeah. you know? All the guys I've spoken to on set and, and girls about, like, their lifestyle and how their life is. Yeah. They, they've told me all these stories of, like, it's hard. I, I, I miss my kids. I miss this. I was like, what's the... You know, what's stopping you? From, yeah, from also, like, right. I think the journey of life is, like, progression, right? To progress. Right. So, like, if I see somebody make a mistake or if I can learn from them, like, I wanted to do that. So I was at home more. I worked on TV, and um, I, I struggled. And, you know, I have career goals. Like, I wanted to produce. I wanted to direct. And I was like, you know, it's, it's time to start making that shift. So I took the manager position and then I was a manager for about five years I think and then um, Snowfall gave me a production supervisor credit and let me do stuff that was out of my realm they gave me associate producer credit and then I think that well I know that the designer Tomas, John LaBoucherie, Gigi at FX I think those people saw that I was contributing a lot and they gave me the co-producer credit because like I'm usually just with the designer the director a writer or a producer and th that's where I would spend most of my day and so I started being able to be more creative and then now I'm at the point in my career where I'm like I'm definitely at a crossroad where I'm not like sure what I want I think it's important like uh, so, like our friend Michelle did. She went and shot a short. Yeah. I think it's important to go and express yourself and do all these things because that's what we got in. You know, that, yeah. that's yeah. why we got in is to right. express ourselves. Yeah. And I remember at a young age when I got my first union paycheck, I was like, "What the? F oh, they they paid me too much. This is like three weeks." <laughs> you know, you're like, uh, and then I was like, "Oh no, it's it's real." Right. And um. And that can be a leash. Yeah, yeah, I would tell anybody any advice. It's like, yeah, don't let that, like, don't lose focus. Because right. it's very right. easy, you know. Like, yeah. That was something I did. I I, got, I helped family, too. Like, I helped a lot of family yeah. and my mom. And and I was able to help my mom pay the rent and, mm -hmm. and, like, help her get a house and a place to live and get her a car that yeah. I didn't have to worry if she broke down. So, like, I did all that stuff. But as I got older, you, you're like, oh, well, I need a car. Why right. not get that car? Yeah. And then suddenly, like, you get comfortable on a check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you sometimes overextend yourself. It's like as you work your way up, you start getting those. Yeah, bigger, you want the bigger You get the bigger prizes. house. Yeah. You, you know, you get the bigger car, you know, yeah. and, and you and overextend try. yourself to the point where y you really can't take any risks. No, you, exactly. You can't. So uh, you're kind of, yeah, you, that check becomes that leash. Yeah. I guess one thing I, I, I would like to bring up, um, mental health is a huge deal you know right. in general is like it's important because like i would say i struggled with anxiety and different things you know um through my career and just like uh, also just overexertion, right um, mentally because like there's a point where like you don't want to fail 
like people that get in this business you're like i'm going to do the best you it, it's a it's very competitive but um I would say that everybody should take some time to make sure that they're focused on that, so especially the you know the next generation, because it's like, again, we're supposed to learn from from, from people. generation, right? Yeah, and like I would say that, you know, you know, we lost somebody on Snowfall. Yeah, shout um, out to Nina. Yeah, so like, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's like it's important that. Um, People address that stuff and um, you know somebody works a 12 or 14 hour day and then it's important to it's like the way that you treat each other at work yes it's much different now uh, I can just remember being a being a PA and <laughs> having to stand outside the production off the office after everybody's gone yeah and you can't ask the the AD could you go you're just standing there to he steps out all right, see you guys tomorrow. Dude, you could be shitting your pants and you still stand there. <laughs> right, You're like, exactly. you, I, I remember one day I was so sick on set and I had a safety guy there, this guy named John Silva, and he looked at me and he's like, why are you here? You were like green. You were sick. Go home. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but it's my location. You know, I prepped this. And he's like, it's a movie. We're going to shoot this if you're here or not. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. It's just so you 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 married. You got kids. How long you been married? Um, I have three kids. Um, when I was uh, sixteen, um, I had a son that was born. He's wow. um, twenty nine. Okay. And like some people look at him, they're like, "Oh, that's your brother." And I'm like, sometimes they're like, "Yeah." And then I have a ten year old son, Jedediah, and my daughter. She's thirteen. Kehlani, my son's oldest, is, his name's Daniel, and um, I tried to talk him out of it and getting into this business, but he was like, no, I want to get in, and I was like, fine, and then he's like, oh, I want to do locations, and so he's in locations, but I'm like, get out, get out, you know? He's like, no way, yeah. go be the sound guy, go be the sound guy, you know, like, you know, it's, uh, it's it, every job's hard, even the sound guy's job, yeah. I mean, it takes a toll, I mean, know your limits too it's important you know just yeah. to you know know your limits and don't push harder than i mean give your 100 percent, but don't burn yourself right you, know? you spend a long time with somebody on a crew and you see people's breakdowns and meltdowns oh and, yeah and all these type of things and uh, uh, some people get so frustrated because they're trying to perfect something and they don't understand why they can't you know something doesn't work and or they're they can't handle like and you know why can't i handle more and i'm like dude you're a 16 ounce glass i'm a 12 ounce that guy's a 24 ounce and there's some stuff people can handle some yeah. can't, you know and it's just we all have different type of limits you yeah. Know? yeah yeah like and there's nothing wrong with that no not at all yeah. depends on the day um have you seen it I think it's the Abbey. Yeah, it's the Abbey. Abbey's up. So um, who would you like to hear from on our show? Oh, J.J. Abrams. Oh. <laughs> Yo, J.J. <laughs> Manny says you got to come. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm going to see if you guys can get ill. Our stories might be similar, but like... doesn't matter. Because uh, everybody... Them, he's, he's, been, he's been all over the world, but... He's also like been able to like um, 
the people that he's kind of helped start their careers and he did both panther movies okay. and then he uh i think he just finished on uh captain america whatever i don't remember the numbers now <laughs> there's so many of them is that the new captain america it's not out okay. it probably has some like secret name or something yeah uh, uh that might be with um the guy anthony who played falcon yeah anthony mackie oh shit captain america is black now <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to Florida. Uh, <laughs> I won't be playing there. But, um, you know, I would say that it's important. Maybe get a designer in here. Like, you could talk to Tomas. Voth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tomas is like, he has some very interesting stories and in how he actually yes. got into this. And um, learning from each generation, like he's a gen generation before us, you know? Yeah. I actually, I, my first show working with Tomas was Ali. Oh, really? Yep. And Tomas was the art director. We had a great time, but I remember it was so funny. We, we flew over to Africa together, and we, then we flew to Johannesburg, then we jumped on a, a twin-engine plane and flew to Mozambique. Man, he's, he's funny. I met him on Savages with Oliver Stone. Dude, how was, how was it working with Oliver Stone? I mean, honestly, like, the, that film was about weed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, there was a lot of dispensaries, <laughs> a lot of uh, sampling. <laughs> um, not me, but, uh, you know, but Tomas was on that, and it was like we had a scout for all these dispensaries, and it was like, I mean, you're essentially just scouting for a box full of plants. Right, right. But I'm like, why the fuck do we need to keep scouting? Let's go look at another one. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Martini? Martini. So, Mr. Padilla, what are you watching these days? Um, I'm, I love sci-fi. So, um, and I do... Uh, I have some native in me, so like I, I'm definitely watching uh, Reservation Dogs, mm. um, which is great. It's just sad; it's the last season, and I won't cry. But it's, it's um, uh, I'm also watching Foundation, but um, I'm watching that, and I I want to watch. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but I'm over all the Star Wars stuff, and I'm a big Star Wars fan. Right. Um, but I do want to watch Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I, I want to see that too. I want to watch that. Yeah. You know. Um, I know some of the backstory, so I'm pretty excited about that. And, you know, I'm really trying my hardest not to watch a bunch of content. And I want to uh, maybe at the end of this month, I think I'm going to cancel a bunch of my subscriptions because um, I think uh, yeah. it's, it's part of the reason why, <laughs> you know, like. This is a company town. LA is a company town, and, yeah. and the company is movie making and television. Mm -hmm. If you don't pay the people, or for example, now I mean we're not working, so you can't you can't afford, yeah. and so slowly those things. Well, I want to stick it to the man. I, <laughs> I don't. I'm like it's kind of funny because we work in the industry, and then we're like, fucking Bob Iger. Yeah, my my Disney Plus account. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, You're still paying them. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, it's like your drug dealer. Yeah, yeah I gotta get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say out of the four or five that I have, um, I did get rid of, uh, I got rid of HBO, I got rid of Showtime. I think the next on the chopping block is Netflix, Hulu, 
and then maybe Disney is probably last because of my kids. Right. But um, and and uh, hey, I might bring them back depending when they bring me back. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'll bring you back yeah. when you bring me back. I got you. So. All right. Well. All right. Let's call it. I think we got it. Yeah. That's a wrap. All right. All right. Thank you, Manny Padilla. All right. Cool. Yes, Manny. Appreciate you, brother. Thank yeah. You thanks. Thanks, Manny, for coming in and uh, talking to us. Yeah, no, I like talking to Manny. Yeah, he's a good dude, good dude. We worked with him on Snowfall. On Snowfall, yeah. And I really didn't know him that well. I saw him every once in a while because he was, you know, location yeah, manager. location manager. So he pops in and he usually has his, his guys working on set with us. Yeah, and I, I really appreciated uh, listening to him and getting to know him better. I really appreciated some of his thoughts and his feelings on self-care and mental wellness um, yeah. in our industry. Definitely, because uh, I, I think... Um, not enough of us talk about mental health and no matter what you're doing no matter what business you're in if you're not mentally well it's not going to work for you yeah i agree i definitely believe in our industry considering the way that we work and the conditions that we work and the pressure that we work under and like i always say to people nobody knows you better than you yeah so to a certain degree we have to be able to gauge ourselves and be able to know when i need a break i need to tap out i need to work on the things i need to work on i think the industry and the employers we all benefit when we have happy healthy sane employees yeah agreed that being said um the craziest motherfucker <laughs> one of the craziest motherfuckers in this industry fritz banks local 728 set lighting technician yeah mr banks we've been uh, we've been friends for over 30 years fritz is going to talk about his life in the business and uh tell us what it's like being up in a condor <laughs> yeah hey if you like the show hit the subscribe button and follow us i'm spoon and this is bc We'll be back next week, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>